Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Today, um, I just want to take and just speak basically just something from my heart to you. Um, In St. Matthew, the fifth chapter, this is where uh, the Lord, we, basically we would know as the Beatitudes. I just want to choose one, um, basically just to start with, I would say. In Matthew, the fifth uh, chapter, the sixth verse, goes like this. He says, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Now, the, I want to read two other verses. I want to skip over. If you don't want to turn, just read on the screen with me, if you would, please, to Isaiah, the 55th chapter. This is a message, I would say, of mercy that the Lord is speaking to backslidden Israel. And it starts off in 55.1, starts off, it says, Ho. Basically, that's just, a, uh, as we would say, an exclamation of pity, or I would say of mercy to them. He is saying, ho, now I want you to listen or just look at the wording, the way it's worded. It says, ho, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters, and he that hath no money, come ye by and eat. Ye come by wine and milk without money and without price. Verse 2 Wherefore do you spend money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which satisfieth not? Hearken diligently unto me, and eat that which is good, and let your soul delighteth itself in fatness. Now, he is saying here, first off, he's talking about buying a product, but he's talking to people, he says, if you have no money to start with, This is not about the money in your pocket. He is saying, come and buy. And really, in the Beatitudes, he is saying, blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Now, the Lord, through all of his writings, does this numerous times, time and time and time, and you could just continue it right on again. And he knew that everyone would be able to relate to this when he takes a natural and makes a spiritual point out of it. Because as humans, you know, we say, you know, I'm starving to death. But that's just, we know what that means. We just hadn't eaten two hours and we're just hungry. But if, you know, true hunger, I don't know if anybody, and and, and I would say, I would hope nobody has never really experienced that. But the Bible says, he that, would hunger and thirst. In other words, you have got, when it, I'm talking spiritually now, 
You can't come through them doors with an with an ad, uh, an appetite like that I get sometimes, and says, "What do you want to eat?" Say, "Well, I don't I don't really know." Well, tell me what you want. Well, if I knew what I want, I would tell you. I don't know what I want, and I don't even see my wife. But oh, there she is. You know, sometimes I just wish I could take a piece of me and put in her. Maybe she could figure out what I want. But spiritually, we can't come into God's house like that. He says, if you would hunger and thirst, God said, if you would come into his house with a spiritual appetite, then he makes a promise. Then I'll fill you. But if you come in here, it's like, you know what? I don't really know what I want. You know, if I get fed, I'm okay. If I go home and God don't touch me, all is well. I'm not being cruel, but you're going home empty. God said, if you would walk in here with a hunger and with a thirst, we have a promise. We're going to be filled. That is a promise that God will not break. I mean, and God knows that's why, that's why when a preacher, he's not trying to be, our pastor's not trying to be cruel to us when it says it really doesn't matter. And, and, and I know that is a broad statement. It really doesn't matter what you've went through to get here. But come in here with an appetite. He's not saying, I don't care what you've went through. What he was saying is, whatever you went through, don't let it affect your appetite. You've got to have a hunger when you walk in God's house. Because that's our part. Our part. I've got to come hungry. And then once I walk through them double doors hungry, my part's over. God said, if you would walk in hungry, don't worry. I'll take it from there. Then I'll fill you. Then I'll give you something. That's why it's been said that it, it does not, you do not have to get, in other words, what you need does not have to come through this microphone into your ears. God can touch you any time of this service. It does not have to be said where you can hear it with your audible ears. God can touch you anywhere of any way at any time. So when you come in here with a spiritual appetite, you know, and, and, and you need, you know, a, a, a certain touch. Just say, and, and I'm going to be ridiculous here for a minute, but you'll get my point. You know, my left arm needs, needs to be healed. And the whole day, the whole service, God, you know, the Lord never says your left arm's going to be healed. Well, that don't mean God ain't going to touch my left arm. Walk in here with a hunger. And my left arm's going to go, go home healed. I mean, we have got to come in with that hunger. So when we do that, and really and truly, throughout our whole spiritual life, what we battle is we are emotional creatures. And what we live in, our circumstances that we live in, what around us, that's why it has been taught, we have been taught, limit what you see. Limit what you hear because it will affect you because it is because our whole spiritual life is going to depend on our hunger and the world, everything, the enemy that we fight, everything is warring against that. So when you come in and all you've done is let the, the world chip away at you, chip away and life is chip away at you then you are exhausted. Your hunger has been took away. So when you come in here, you're just literally so physically exhausted, you have no hunger. And I'm not making this harder than it is. I'm just living in the real world just like you. So our whole spiritual life, our whole spiritual condition is based on
Are you hungry? Are you hungry? Am I hungry? Where does my hunger lie? When I come in God's house, am I so just, I have, I let the world beat me to a point that I'm just, I'm just, I have no hunger left. I cannot get to that point. I cannot get to that point because the two-sided coin is God said, it's a promise. I'm telling you, this ain't going to lie. He said, if you'll come hungry, then I'll fill you. It ain't going to be broken. I'm telling you, God ain't going to break his word. So when we come in, our attitude really does matter. So when we come in, the circumstances, the surroundings that we've faced, everything that we've went through this week, we have to guard that. We have to guard what we've been in, guard what we think, guard what we see. It does matter. And to have this, this hunger and this thirst, we are going to be we want to be filled. We're going to be filled. We can't allow the world to destroy this because God has made a promise. He said, bless, blessed are they that would do this. We have this. This is a great invitation. He said in Isaiah, he says, if you would do this, he that hath no money come and buy. And then he tells them, why are you laboring for that which satisfieth not? If that doesn't explain, or if you can't relate that to to our world today, I don't know what is. Because I'm telling you, everyone, everyone, and I know this is broad, but I'm telling you, everyone is hungry. But where is your pursuit taking you? Everyone is hungry. I'm telling you, everyone is pursuing something. Everyone is looking for fulfillment, to be satisfied. I'm telling you, the person telling you, looking you in the eyes and says, it don't matter to me, is not telling you the truth. Everyone is looking for fulfillment. Everyone is looking for contentment to be satisfied. When their head hits a pillow, they want to be at peace. They want to be at ease. They want to feel fulfilled in this life. And Isaiah told him, says, you are putting your money, you are putting your time and effort of something that will not satisfy. And God said, salvation is free. Come, if you have no money, don't worry about it. Come, this has never been about money. Come, give of yourself. That's what God wants. He does it, so to speak, at this, in, this, uh, the way, in this content. He's not asking for money. He's just saying, come, ye that hath no money, come and buy. The way you buy is with yourself. With yourself, that is the way you would buy the pursuit. The ones that have no money, salvation, you can come and get this. This pursuit that we have, we are pursuing this. Jesus says, first, if you would develop and keep this hunger, then it would be continually filled. Because I've said it and I'll continue to say it. Eat as much as you want today. Tomorrow you're still going to be hungry. So apply that spiritually. We can't just come and just say, wow, six weeks ago the Lord really touched me. Well, be thankful for that. But we have to have, and we do have an example. When you look at it, God wanted to visit Israel every day. He says, when you move, or the words, when I move, you move. In other words, you go with me. I'm not going without you, in other words. So you stay with me. I want you to be with me. I want communion with you every day. That's why he said, give us this day, our daily bread. So just as we get hungry in the natural every day, 
I want to develop myself spiritual hunger every day because it, it is just not that, I mean, me, uh, ministers talk about being touched a lot when you come to church, and I do believe that. I'm 100% convinced God can touch you. But I'm telling you, God can touch you in the back 40, on the freeway, on the interstate. It does not have to, it, it doesn't matter where you're at. I mean, God can touch you anywhere at any time, keeping this hunger. That's why I said before, the last time I spoke, lock yourself in a room. You got something you're pursuing, lock yourself in a room somewhere. I'm telling you, just see what God will talk to you about. He won't abandon you. He'll do the opposite. He will meet with you and have communion with you. And he said, because you just pursue this hunger and see if I won't feel it. He says, I will. I will do this. I will do this. In the Bible, if you will, if you want to turn, I'm going to uh, 1 Samuel. I want to speak about Saul just a second. Where the prophet or the, the priest, I would say here, Samuel is telling him of what he needs to do. Saul, at this point, is the king. And he is sent to destroy the Amalekites. And Samuel 15, and I'll start, I'll just read 1 through 3. This is Samuel's commission to King Saul. Samuel said unto Saul, The Lord sent me to anoint thee to be king over his people, over Israel. Now therefore hearken thou unto the voice of the words of the Lord. Verse 2, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I remember that which Amalek did to Israel, how he laid wait for him in the way, even, even when he came up from Egypt. Verse 3, Now go and smite Amalek, and utterly destroy all that they have, and spare them not, but slay both man, woman, infant, and suckling ox, and sheep, camel, and ass. Now, I trust nobody, and I hope nobody gets lost in the Old Testament. But the way I always look at this, this is me. You look at it any way you want to. But the way I look at it, this is a natural. We have to look at it. They physically destroyed their enemy. So when you read the Old Testament, in verse 3, it's very gruesome. This was a commandment of God that the priest told the king to do. Basically what we would put it in our language, the enemy must be destroyed verse 3 as gruesome as it is defines the enemy now you look at that any way you want them ain't my words them's God's words verse 3 defines the enemy he sent King Saul to destroy the enemy so they did it in the natural of course we do not now but you have to apply that spiritually so he takes and he tells them, you go do this. This is your commission. You go destroy the Amalekites. So he tells them to do this. The Amalekites was the first people when Israel, when Moses led the children of Israel out of Egypt. The Amalekites was the first nation that basically laid wait for them, attacked them, basically destroyed them at every weak front they could find. And, and that's why if there's ever a lesson of why we need to watch who we attack when it comes to God's house, 
God said, I remember. God doesn't forget. So he says, these people laid wait and attacked my church. Now it's time to deal with it. And this is the way I'm going to deal with it. I will annihilate this people. I'm telling you, don't think I'm gruesome. I'm reading, I'm reading out the Bible now, so stay with me. So they was the first to do this. Verse 3 defines the enemy. God said, do this. No spoil, nothing was to be taken. You go destroy them. Don't you even let the animals live. You take nothing. God said, I do not want nothing from them. You go destroy everything. That was what God told him to do. Utterly destroy. This was God's judgment that was Saul was to carry out. So he tells him to do this. Now, I'm skipping. Jump with me, if you will, to verse 8. Now, he, t- he took Agag, king of the Amalekites, alive and utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. Verse 9. But Saul and the people spared Agag, the best of the sheep and the oxen and the fatling and the lambs and all that was good and would not utterly destroy them. But everything that was vile and refuge that they destroyed utterly. Now, this is what Saul did. Now, I think verse 3, verse 1 through 3. If you are the king, you're standing in front of God's man, and he lays out your command. There is no, I really don't understand. Tell me again, what do I do? I mean, verse 3 lays it out very critical, what is to be done. What is to be done? Now, he goes back, and I'm telling you, if verse 8 and 9 it's where a lot of people get in trouble because a lot of people, a lot of people place their own conception of what is right and wrong above biblical revelation. And I'm telling you, that is going to nail you to the wall. If you do that, I'm telling you, if it is laid out in God's word, we better keep our mouth off of it. Because the priest told him, as harsh as this was, you go take care of this. But Saul comes back, and I'm telling you, it, it doesn't make sense. Why would you bring back the king? It's like <clears throat> if you're going to fight a war and you're going against the devil and his angels and you kill all the angels, but I brought back the devil. Don't bring back the king. Why would you bring back the king? You know, I, I don't know. That's just me. That's just, that's just a ramble of mine. I don't understand that. Here again, Saul is king. He knows what to do. I don't believe he's standing there thinking, should I really do this? He's placing his own view above what has been told him by thus saith the Lord. You can't do that. You can't do that. Jump with me to verse 13. And Samuel said, and Samuel came to Saul, and Saul said unto him, Blessed be thou of the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. 
Now here we see arrogance talking. Verse 14, And Samuel said, What meaneth then the bleeding of the sheep in my ears and the lowing of the oxen which I hear? Verse 15, And Saul said, They have brought them from the Amalekites, and the people spared the best of the sheep and the oxen and the, to sacrifice unto the Lord God, and the rest we have utterly destroyed. Now, it was Saul's responsibility to see that, it, that this was carried out. He's blaming it on the people, but it was his responsibility. The priest looked him in the eye and said, go do this. God said, it's time to carry this out. You go destroy them, it's time to do it. He chose not to. Jump with me to verse 18. The Lord sent thee on a journey and said, Go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they be consumed. Wherefore then did, did thou not obey the voice of the Lord, but didst thou fly upon the spoil and did evil in the sight of the Lord? And Saul said unto Samuel, Yea, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord and have gone the way which the Lord sent me and have brought Agag the king of the Amalekites and have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. Now, verse 21, And the people took of the spoil, the sheep and the auction, and the chief things which should have been utterly destroyed to sacrifice unto the Lord thy God in Gilgal. And Samuel said, Hath the Lord had great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams. Verse 23. For rebellion is a sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Behold, thou hast rejected the word of the Lord. He has also rejected thee from being king. Basically, Long story short, the crown that he brought into the camp cost him his because God gave him a command that was so easy to fulfill and to obey. Really and truly, when you apply this spiritually, I mean, the enemy that we fight now spiritually, you do not want to make no league with, you do not want to give in to, no way at all, because look at all the hurt. All the hurt, the death, the anguish that the Amalekites had inflicted upon Israel was to the point. Now, if I have ever, you know me, if I have ever believed in mercy, I believe in mercy. But God himself had had it to hear. They had went so far against God's church and against God's people as God has said, I will utterly destroy them. The man that he chose to do this chose not to. So this is what's confusing to me. Is Saul comes back and he looks the same man in the face that gave him the order and says, I've obeyed the word of the Lord. And Samuel is saying, what's all of this? Well, I don't know. That's just something the people brought back. And he's thinking, you don't realize what you've done. These people is our enemy, and you bring the king back? And he's still saying, I've obeyed the voice of the Lord. I've obeyed your word. And Samuel is saying, no, no. And then he tells him to obey 
is better than sacrifice. In other words, all this stuff, I would say it like this. All these animals that God had already commissioned him to destroy, that he was bringing back for sacrifice, God was never going to accept them anyway. Never, never. This, it, in, in biblical terms, they was what would be known as blemished animals. So God would never accept them. So he says to obey is better than sacrifice. I would flip that around and says, first, you've got to obey for God to accept your sacrifice. Because if you hadn't obeyed, I don't care how much you sacrifice. God is not going to accept it. To obey is better than sacrifice is what he was telling him. It's what the Bible tells us he told him. Because he's coming back and he says, I've disobeyed the Lord, but I've got all this we can sacrifice to him. And Samuel's telling him, you don't realize what you've done. God ain't going to accept none of this. I don't care how much you've brought into his house, how much you've done. If you hadn't obeyed the voice, the written word of the Lord, God ain't going to accept it. Pure and simple. So he's telling Saul, he says, to obey is better than sacrifice. And then he gives him this verse that's almost scary. He says, for rebellion is a sin of witchcraft. And then Saul's looking at him. I'm sure he's just standing there with this, me? You talking to me? You think I've rebelled? Rebellion is a sin of witchcraft. Witchcraft ain't nothing but direct opposition to God. And I believe Saul was trying to tell him, what you have done is align yourself with the enemy. You're standing there saying, I've obeyed the voice of the Lord when what you have really done is disobeyed God and aligned yourself with the king that you brought back. And, and Saul is just standing there. He's just saying, I hadn't done nothing wrong. What's the problem? Look at all these animals I got that we can sacrifice. You know, he really think I believe he really thought he was right. You know, in in I don't know, it's that's just me personally. I just I just have a hard time with this. I mean, because the priest looking at him in the eye, God hand picking him, and then he goes to the point that when when Samuel's telling him, you have went wrong, and he still wouldn't accept it. He still wouldn't accept it. And then so basically, as I would say, Samuel's just, the way I'd put it, Samuel's just had enough. He just says, bring me a sword. And the Bible says, I'll just put it in language we can understand it. He just cut the man to pieces. And that's a gruesome way to put it, but that's what happened. And I know that's, that was a natural, that was a natural sense. I mean, the, Samuel says, look, you do not realize what you've done. You have disobeyed the voice of the Lord. You have brought this sin into the camp of a people that God said should be utterly destroyed. You think you've done nothing wrong. You bring him to me and I will carry out this. So he took the sword and utterly destroyed the enemy. Now, spiritual terms, it's still done that way. When the enemy starts bugging you, and he will every day, when he gets to the point that you feel like that it's really more than you want to tolerate, you get your sword, and this sword will defeat any enemy that comes against us.
just as Samuel took his sword and hewed him to pieces, we can still take our sword and defeat any enemy that comes against us. It is still done the same exact way. They, Samuel did it in the natural. We can do it in the spiritual. Where he took this enemy that came against him, you take this sword and you defeat the enemy with it. That is the way it is done in the, in the spiritual sense. So this hunger that we have. Now I'm going to jump over to um, St. Matthew in the seventh chapter. I want to read in uh, Matthew 7, let me see, verse uh, 21. Matthew 7, 21. The Lord said, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many shall say unto me that day, Lord, Lord, have we prophesied, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name have done many wonderful works. In verse 23, Then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity now I'm still talking about a hunger verse 21 says not everyone that saith unto me Lord Lord shall enter into the kingdom of heaven but he that doeth the will of my father Jesus is standing there in the flesh and says he that doeth the will of my father other words the kingdom of heaven he that carry on the will that we see throughout this word shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. Now, verse 22, and I say this very, very respectfully, but no, never use ministerial success and I'm going to use the word judge, but to judge a leader. Never use ministerial success. But this, this is what we have to use. It does not matter how many thousands they have that sit under them. It does not matter if they have one or if they have a 100,000. Their popularity, how good they are at speaking, how charismatic they are, what they do, what they say, everything has to be, and I'm using the word judge, but please understand, everything has to be based on this. This is what we have to base everything on. Because I have, uh, I have been told, I'm sure you have been told, which a lot of people have said, and there's, and there's nothing... There's nothing wrong with putting faith and confidence, and you should have in your pastor. You should have in your pastor. But the flip side of that, now our pastor is gone, and I would say this with him sitting right there, but the flip side of that is what I tell people. 
if I feel like they're getting too far out on me, if they say, well, my pastor says this and, and, and I'm okay to do this because my pastor says this. Jesus himself told us, take heed that no man deceive you. Now, because when we stand before God and we are judged, our pastor's not going to judge us. It's going to be God that judges us, and this word is what he's going to use to judge us out of. So now, in verse 22, he tells them this. And this is what I want to do. Right here is our dividing point. I tell you the truth. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not, listen, prophesied? Look, Lord, we've preached in your name. And in thy name we have cast out devils. And in thy name we have done many wonderful works. I'm not trying to be cruel. But I'm telling you, I would say it like this. If I was God, which I'm not, but in my just little bit of human way of reasoning, you use my name, but you wouldn't take my name. And I'm telling you, it can't get no worse. And it says, and I will profess unto them, I never knew you. And listen what he says, depart from me, ye that work iniquity. But we've cast out devils. We've done many mighty wonderful works. How are you calling that iniquity? Now, you've got to understand what the word knew means in the Bible. When you go all the way back, and I'll just leave it at this, but Adam knew his wife, and that produced a son. So what I'm saying, and you just gather from that what I'm saying, the spiritual application where I never knew you, you never allowed my name to cover you. I never knew you. You have people. Why they fight us, I'm telling you, it, it is amazing to me why they fight us on something like this. I don't understand it. I don't understand it. But I'm telling you, if I am with a group of men, and as the Bible says, they're going to stand before the Lord and just say, look, we've preached, we've cast out devils, we've done this, we've done that, we've done all these many mighty works. If I am part of that group, where is the voice of reason that somebody don't stand up and say, look, the devils is even subject to this name that we're invoking. We're doing all of this, all these many, mighty, wonderful works, and we are not even covered by that name. Do we think we're doing the right thing? We won't even allow ourselves to be covered. And God is going to divide them. God himself says, I'm going to look them in the eye and says, I never knew you. You have never allowed yourself to be covered. So he's telling them this. They're going to come and this hunger. At what 
point can it drive you to do all of this, but never at no time till it come to a point that it does not cross your spiritual mind, that it gets you that you say, I don't, uh, why aren't we baptized? Why aren't we baptized? I mean, we have people that just fight us inside out. I have been told, I have been told here while back by a preacher, just, I mean, just in conversations like, I just order new. I mean, where do you go to church? I told him, he says, well, you know, you're Jesus only. I said, and where did you hear that? Well, I was told. I said, what Bible do you use? I mean, I was half aggravated. What Bible do you use? And he told me, I said, well, we have the same Bible. We believe in a father. We believe in a son. And we believe in the Holy Ghost. And no, we're not Jesus only. And he said, well, you have to explain that to me. And I said, you know what? I would be happy to. We are not Jesus only. And so I, it's just we are fault just on every. But that's okay. That's okay. That's just, I'll just say that's just spiritual life. But I'm telling you, God himself says, Men and women is going to stand before him and says, we have done all of this. We have pursued this. We have put ourselves, our heart. We have done this. And here again, this is something else that's hard for me to fathom. But they themselves has never took his name, never allowed their self to be covered by his name. And I'm telling you, if, if I'm standing there and I see something that is so powerful, so anointed, that the enemy that's caused mankind so much chaos for thousands and thousands of years, that at just the mere mention of his name that he is subject to, I would want that name to cover me. I would want that name to protect me. So in doing so, God is going to tell him. That's where I believe that when he says, I never knew you, this is just me. But I think that's what it really, or I'll just put it this way. I, don't, I, I wouldn't be arrogant enough to say that's what it means. But that's what I believe it could mean, is you never allowed yourself to have my name to cover you. So he took, he did this. Turn with me to John 14. I want to read. Now. In reading this, I asked very, very little of you when I'm up here. I mean, if a preacher's preaching, I like to be left alone. So I asked very little, but this is what I want you to do. I'm going to actually read 1 through 7, but 1 through 4, I don't even want you to follow along with me. I want you to just close your eyes and just listen to the voice of the Lord. In his writings, verse 1 says, Let your heart, let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, 
I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And whether I go, ye know, and the way you know. Now, let's come back to life. Verse 5. This is our buddy Thomas. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whether thou goest, and how can we know the way? In verse 6, Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And verse 7 says, If ye had known me, ye should have known my Father also. And from henceforth ye know him and have seen him. The Bible plainly tells us God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself. So I believe that God himself, we see it literally all from the beginning of God wanting to be with his people. So it is so fitting to me that we're, you know, we're, we're, I think where people really get tripped up where the Bible says the Son of God, the Bible never says God the Son. When it says the Son of God, it is referring to the flesh of God. So I believe it's so fitting and so personal for God in the Old Testament when he says, Emmanuel, God with us, is he says, I want to be, so I am going to make myself a body. That body will be Jesus Christ. That body will be the Son of God. But I will inhabit that body. And that body will be God in Christ in reconciling the world unto himself. And when that body goes away, I will come again. And what that will be referred to is the Holy Ghost. In other words, I have died. Ghost. I'm going to refer to it as the Holy Ghost. So when he inhabits us and fills us, some says a Holy Spirit. It doesn't matter what title or basically you say. That's just the form that God chose to come back in. So he says, he tells this, he says, if you have known me, you should have known the Father. You should have known the Father. So he tells him this. So we have this. It was not another God up there. It was Jehovah, Yahweh, that came, that inhabited that body that we know of as Jesus Christ when he came and died. So... That's why I said, God knows everything that we go through, everything we have to face when we come. Just when you come, just bring your hunger with you. And just when you do, that's your obligation. You'll understand this. Your liability is released when you come in this house and you are hungry. And when that happens... I'm telling you, God will fill you. And I want to, I'll end with this. Years ago, um, uh, I, I was trying to remember how many years ago this was. The boys were small, and I'll just end with this story. I told you this years ago. It was true then, and it's still true now. So. Um, but it, I, I'm, I made a, sort of a joke out of it, but I, I really had a point out of it. Um, the boys were small, and... My parents 
basically my mother wanted to buy my swing set, so I'll just blame all of this on her. So, um, so she said she wanted to buy my swing set, so I, you know, I said, okay. So she told me where she had bought one. I went and got it, and literally right up from our house, like three miles up the road, is a convenience store. So I had stopped there just to get a Coke, and, and while I'm in there, I'm in line, and somebody's there I know, and, and they ask, what, what are you fixing to do? And I said, well, I just got a swing set, and I'm going to go home and put it up. And in the back of me, there's this guy, and he says, yeah, every parent needs at least one of them in their life to put together. <laughs> so I'm, you know, me, I'm thinking, I ain't even got home, and it's already started. <laughs> So I get home with this swing set, and I'm looking, and and I'm, I, you know, somebody's made a mistake. <laughs> somebody's made a mistake. There's no way 20 pounds of bolts goes with this swing set. I mean, it cannot take this many bolts to put this swing set together. So I, I'm, I'm putting it together, and I'm serious, I really thought that. And so I'm putting it together, and... This was what I joked about, but I'm dead serious with this. I really now, I really wish I'd have saved the paper. And I remember it being step number six, and I, I joked, and I said it's ironic that the Bible refers to as man's number is six, but it was step number six. In block letters, when you're going down the directions, in block letters it has, do not skip this procedure. So, Brother Roll, I'm standing there, and I'm looking at this, and I'm looking at that. And I don't see no need to do that. Now, the, re- the reason them block letters was there is because old Ken ain't the first one that's ever put one of these together. And I'm sure old Ken hadn't been the last one to make this mistake. So, I wish I could have told you I, I, I didn't do it, but I, I skipped it. So, I go to seven... And everything's okay, eight. So now I'm thinking, you know, we might need to drop them an email and tell them they can take out that block letter. So, and it was about at step 10 that I get, and this piece won't go in. So now I'm thinking, you know what? I've caught them in two mistakes. You can skip six and 10 won't work. But then... For some reason, I, you know, I'm looking at a thing, and my, for some unknown reason, I scan back up to six, and there's in block letters. And really, I'm telling you, it does say this. Do not skip this procedure. So long story short is I had to take it all back apart. And, and I'm saying, them guys are smarter than what I give them credit for. So the point I made then is the point I make now. Sometimes when we come in here, Really and truly, and the preacher's preaching. Sometimes we may not really understand of just where he's at. But I'm telling you, that's why it, what I said, the best I can remember it is even if you do not understand it. And it was, I can't remember now exactly what the occasion was. But I told Brother and Sister Boyd at, at one time that where they had been here and I says the Bible says Paul in his writing said it like this follow me as I follow Christ and I told brother Boyd I said here 
It's where I found your footprints. So if you come in here and it's something that you really don't understand, but you can find his footprints in there, even though you might not understand it, but you can find the footprints, just go ahead and do it. Just go ahead and do it. Because it will be the right thing. Because this, this, this is what's going to judge us. This is what's going to judge us. Because all it takes is having a hunger. Because this word will not lie. He said, if you would come with a hunger, then I would fill it. And that is a promise that God won't break. Hallelujah. God bless you. Let's stand. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386 935 2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website again thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family